podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome to the final Premier League preview part of the season. It's been quite a journey uh, and though the focus has rightly shifted to Europe in recent months, Klopp's side still require one point from the final game against Brighton to secure Champions League qualification next year. Somehow we've left it to this uh, again and uh, on this week's part I'm joined um, by a lecturer at Liverpool University, a specialist on football finance for the BBC and pl- plenty of others, uh, Kieran Maguire, and host of the Minefield podcast on AI Pro, uh, Alan O'Donoghue. Welcome, guys. Thank you. And great to speak to you again, Kieran. Um, uh, it's sort of, when we get to this stage in the season, I wonder whether this podcast is still going to be relevant to, to people who are listening in and, and have done faithfully all throughout the season. Um, but uh, just as the way in terms of Liverpool, we, we like to make things interesting. So we, 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 we do need something from the game, of course. Um, it's different for yourselves. I think, you know, two, two draws and then perhaps an unthinkable win, um, at, at first at home to Manchester United, um, has meant, you know, Chris Hughes and secured your place in the Premier League again for another season. Pretty remarkable achievement, I think, given if you look at the levels of investment in the squad, as you'll be well aware of. And the close run battle, really, with the sides around you in the table really is very tight down there. So, to start off, what did you make of that performance, that sort of pivotal performance against Manchester United? Um, and was it as simple as um, you, you want you, you wanting it or fighting for it more, as, as Mourinho was keen to, to to mention after the match, or you know, or was there sort of a key change that had a effect on the game? I think we we did have a little bit of luck because uh, goal line technology secured our uh, Premier ah. League survival it was 28 millimeters over the line which is fine as far as i'm concerned because <laughs> that's that's over the line uh it was uh it, it was it was a good match from our point of view uh it wasn't a case of just taking one chance and scoring from it to did have to make a couple of decent saves um and i've also got to be honest united were very poor uh ha- having been to the etihad last night and seen effectively a Manchester City second string absolutely school us in how elegant football can be. United were very much sort of roundheads compared to Manchester City's Cavaliers. Uh, you, Mourinho will complain that he only had Rashford and uh, Martial up front, but I, I can imagine about 16 or 17 teams in the Premier League would be delighted to have those two as a strike force. So, uh, yeah, we, we, we battled hard. We didn't really have uh, many last gasp moments in terms of defence against United. They, 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 they were poor and we played, as, we played to our top level. No, exactly. I think it's always tough. I mean, Mourinho is keen to emphasise that... Um perhaps more riding on it for you guys than of course there was for for Manchester United but still that a motivation factor you'd like to have thought it was there I guess if you're a Manchester United fan being not a Manchester United fan and uh, being a Liverpool fan I really couldn't care less and I'm delighted that you managed to secure it against them um, but in terms of looking at the season as a, as an, uh, maybe an overview of the season what did you make of um, Hewton's tactical approach to sort of life in the Premier League um, you obviously been here before um, and known, I think, perhaps you could tell me this is unfair or not, but you know, for being a more conservative manager, um, how, however attacking you were previously, um, how do you think he's done, in, in your view, to managing the side in the Premier League, and, and do you think there are any noticeable changes that helped you, uh, in the end, secure your place? Uh, I, I think we got the recruitment right on, on a relatively limited budget, uh, in Pascal Gross for the three million pounds, I think it's probably one of the bargains of the Premier League. Uh, in in his ability to to not only score goals from a sort of a, an advanced midfield position, but he's very creative as well, and sort of a, you know, a typical German player in in the sense that he will run and run for ninety minutes, uh, never gives up, chases down defenders. So the recruitment was good. Uh, there's been no players we've signed this season that we've looked on as a as a disaster. Uh, Is is Chiedo, Proper, Ryan, all of them have have made uh, an impact at times during the season. So I think that was the first thing that the club got right. And um, I know that they've done an awful lot of research work uh, before getting involved with these players. Uh, As far as Chris Hutton is concerned, he, he is a cautious manager. 
um, in that he he won't uh, he won't try to leave the defence too exposed. So we we do tend to play with two central midfield players who who rarely break into the opposition box uh, in, in the shape of Proper and, and Stevens. Um, and we don't score many goals. You know, 35 goals from 37 games is, isn't exciting when you compare to what we achieved last season in the championship where it, it was flying in from left, right and centre in, in terms of, of our attacking play. And, and I think the reason why he's done that is because we, we're at, we are competing at a higher level. And, and I think in football, you need to know where you are in the food chain. You know, we're not... Yeah, we're not City or Liverpool or or clubs that have a, you know, a, a riches at, in in the front line and, and searing pace, which can scare the living daylights out of defenders. Uh, and and we we set up accordingly. So I think that's what's going to be the case on on Sunday. That uh, yeah, we we will we'll be coming there for a point realistically. We'll be happy for you to have that point, I think. But <laughs> we're we're not a team that seems to be able to set up for a draw. So I'm, I'm sure it's going to be interesting for sure. But um... It, you mentioned Hewton there and some of the things that he, he changed, um, acknowledging where you are in terms of the Premier League and the sides you're competing with. Um, obviously, we've seen some sides this season go down that I think have mismanaged their finances, perhaps um, bitten off more, they can chew, uh, more than they can chew in terms of the players. Perhaps they've brought in some of the wages um, for players that in the end didn't end up contributing really to their survival efforts. Um, next season, you, you, you had this survival do you think there's going to be a evolution, not not demanded, but do you think fans will be expecting Hewton to make changes tactically, perhaps try and get a little bit closer to the more attacking approach that you saw um, in the championship? Um, or do you think it's doubling down on what worked this season? Um, what are you sort of expecting next season? If, if I'm honest, I'm expecting more of the same. Uh, we, we we lack pace up front. Uh, you know, Glenn Murray's 35. He's, he's a wily, old-fashioned English centre-forward who who gives centre-halves a nightmare every time he plays against them because he's, he's pushing, he's putting a foot in here and there and and he's he's done absolutely superbly to get you know double digits in terms of goals but whether he can do it a, a year older I'm not so certain and, and certainly his his lack of pace is is one area where we we have looked weak so well I think we are hoping to sign a center forward who will be uh, a little bit quicker we, we we play with two wingers all the time and, and to get the supply lines going and therefore get more goals but uh, yeah Chris Hewton's objective next season is to finish 17th or above and anything that above that is a bonus. I think the issue that the fans are going to have is that this season it's been wonderful. If it happens the next two or three seasons that we're finishing in that 14th to 16th position, um, are they then going to lose patience and start to demand more and develop an expectations that there is a next level when in, in my view there isn't you know we, we've got as far as we can um you know one, once every seven or eight seasons it turn it's, it's your lucky turn to be Burnley whereby you, you concede relatively few goals and and suddenly yeah. you're, you're you're competing for seventh to tenth but Burnley aren't going to do that next season I suspect you know that they've they've had their season and they've been absolutely superb and, and hats off to Sean Dyche very very astute manager hugely underrated in my opinion but I think if combining Premier League existence with a, a Europa League campaign next season is going to be quite difficult for them um, I, I'll be delighted next season if we uh, if we have a very similar season um, it, we, we beat, beat Arsenal at home beat Manchester United at home uh, and we did the double over West Ham and uh, Swansea. And, and that's where our points came from. It's as simple as that. No, it makes sense completely. I think yeah, um, you wouldn't imagine there's any sort of appetite to remove Hewton. He's, he's, he's done his job this season as well. And he seems to be incredibly well liked around the club anyway. So um, in terms of key players then, I mean, you mentioned Pascal Gross there. And I think everybody would look at him and think he's been a terrific signing for you. Another, another player who stood out to me on occasion, and it could be a match of the day sort of type of highlight thing that I've seen in terms of your games and things like that, but Izquierdo, when I have seen him, um, perhaps not exactly the finished product, but enough of the right sort of elements in terms of pace and trickery that he's he has seemed important to you in terms of that injection, a little, injection of quality. I know last time we spoke he was injured, I think, or perhaps not not quite into the side, into the rhythm. Um, how much of an impact has he had, or is there another player um, who's been a bigger influence? You think on these last sort of months of the season? 
I, I think he is our X factor player in in that he's very direct. He's he's willing to take on defenders, and uh, he he's chipped in with you know three or four goals, which is what you can really expect from a from a midfield player at, at our level. Um, so so in that regard, he he's been a delight, and he's one of those players that as soon as he gets the ball he gets the crowd going as well but because of his direct nature. Um, what we've also probably seen in the last month is, is Anthony Knockhart return to being the player he was in the championship. Uh, I think initially he struggled a bit in, in the Premier League uh, and sort of his, uh, his, ma- his main moment of the season was when he got sent off at Everton. Um, and he'd, he'd been petulant and grumpy Prior to that, three-match suspension, and he's come back, and he's a, he seems to be a changed man. Uh, and again, he's one of those players that when he's got the ball at the feet, he, he's got the trickery to to get past fullbacks. Uh, he, he can finish reasonably well, though, though he missed one at City last night, which which would have made it two-two. Um, and uh, he's he he gets the crowd excited, you know. And, and I think you're very blessed at Liverpool uh, having three strikers. As soon as the ball gets to their feet in the opposite the opposition half, the whole crowd are up because they're expecting fireworks. Um, and you know, you know, again, we 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 know where we are. We're Brighton Hove Albion. We're a club. We're a lower league club. We're in the Premier League. We're joining every minute, but we don't have the resources to to be able to do that thing on on such a regular basis. Is is to have the the the, the movie star players that that you're blessed with at Liverpool. Um, so so those two have been good on the wings. Um, the the other two players who I would single out would be uh, Lewis Dunk at centre half, uh, who who blocks everything he's 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 a he's a defender who can come out of uh, can, can come out of his own penalty box with the ball uh, he's he's pretty confident with it he, he's been unfortunate to score four own goals this season but all of those have been where he's effectively been doing last ditch defending and, and the ball's ricocheted off him or something of that nature uh, so he he's been excellent he's really improved this season um, and the final one I would give huge credit to and, and nobody's been a disappointment for Brighton over Albion this season let, let me be perfectly frank about that but the final one would be the uh, the goalkeeper we signed from Valencia Matty Ryan who, who I think Liverpool were looking at a couple of seasons ago uh, and he's a superb shot stopper uh, you know, people have a go at him because his his lack of height, but he's, he's still six foot. It's just that you know goalkeepers these days tend to be sort of six three to six six. Uh, he's he's kept us in games, um, and probably one of one of the turning points when we were in the middle of a very bad run. Uh, we were we were one up at Stoke. They equalised, and then they got a last minute penalty, which he saved from Charlie Adam, and. That was one of the highlights for the season for me. Uh, and since then, we have sort of pushed on. We're not winning that many games, but we're not easy beats either. Yeah, Matt, Matt, Matty Ryan, I remember actually a while ago, I think it was around the same time as Mignolet originally yeah. came in that we were looking at him. He was at Valencia, wasn't he? Our, our, That's our right, yeah. 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 He was, he was, uh, Gary, Gary Neville managed him. Uh, oh, but he still, he, he still <laughs> turned out to be a decent goalkeeper. He still escaped, yeah. <laughs> um, I think every minute sort of delayed this question, but Every Liverpool fan is, is is keen for me to probably ask you something along the lines of, "Are you on the beach?" In every sort of sense of, of, of the word, yet. And I think, yeah, you know, from what you told me about last night's performance as well, um, given that that there is that um, knowledge that you'll be in the league next year, there's a freedom around your um, football at the moment because there is nothing to lose. Um, so I'm guessing you mentioned a little bit there about what type of performance you're expecting um, against Liverpool. You know that we need. Um, something from this game. It's it's not as much as we thought we were initially going to need in terms of a win. Um, that that being said, I'm guessing we're still going to be going for um, a win because we don't really know any other way. Um, yeah. But what type of performance are you expecting? Is it going to be one of um, conservative and you know um, stay compact and tight? Um, but do you have any worries whatsoever around motivation? No, I don't. I, I think the uh, the manager wouldn't accept it. Chris Hutton is a very straight down the line bloke. Um, I think he would feel personally disappointed in the players if they uh, if, if they put out such an approach. Um, and for, for the vast majority of the players, this is the first time that they played at Anfield, so they want to put on a good show for for that. You know, many will have family and friends attending the match. Um, and, and from from the club's point of view, uh, we we can finish anywhere between 10th and 16th after the match on uh, on Sunday. Now, 
if if we pick up a point, yeah, that that every every place in the Premier League is worth an extra two million to a club such as ours or to all clubs, um, and therefore it's worth chasing. You know, the, the the players will be aware of this. The manager will be certainly thinking about this because this goes into his transfer budget for next season, and. If if I'm if I was a football player who in three in three weeks time is going to be on a beach if they're not if they're not attending the World Cup, then I'd like my last match of the season to be you know a, a decent performance at Anfield and, and knowing that I gave a hundred percent. Do I expect Brighton to win? Not at all. But I, I think we can we can battle for a point. And if it gets to seventy minutes and it's and it's still evens, then you could see both sides quite happily just sort of slowing down a bit. Yeah, I was thinking it could be a replay of some of those old school international games where you can where you can tell both sides don't want to lose. And yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting for sure. I think no one really expected Huddersfield to get the result they did last night. And um, that's brilliant for you, Dev Wagner. Klopp's made their absolute you know he's best man in every sense of the word there as a club. So he's managed to pull that one off. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. I think in terms of how um, Liverpool seemed jaded against Chelsea. It, sort of physical hang-ups of what they've been doing um, this past month. is it's, it's been too much, really, considering the... I mean, it feels churlish to complain about the size of our squad and the quality of the squad, but it's you know, compa- compared with some of those sides you mentioned, so City and Chelsea and even Arsenal to an extent, United, um, don't quite have the depth in quality to, to rotate as much. So they did look quite tired, to be honest. So, But hopefully a week's rest is going to um, be enough for them. Um just in in terms of then getting your opinion on on, on Liverpool, then I think it's, it's always interesting to to get a, a, a rival fan's view on the sort of how you think we've done this season. Um, how do you think the season should be judged? Then, I mean, looking from the outside in, I mean, do, do you think that it's all dependent on these two games because, of course, those are going to lead to you know, the definitive results of the season, or do you think that there's um, you should feel positive about what we've done? Um. I think the, the football's been a delight to watch. Uh, you know, from from a person that watches it on television, and I was also uh, I was also at the Etihad for the match uh, in the in the uh, yeah. Champions League quarterfinal. Yeah, Liverpool are a superb, visually exciting football team, but ultimately they're going to be judged in terms of memories. It's what did you win that season? Um, qualifying for the Champions League is is sort of a cup, isn't it? These days, yeah. From a from from a fan's point of view, it's the fact. Well, you know, next season we we are mm. potentially we're playing Barcelona, Bayern, and Real Madrid, and all of these clubs. So, it, certainly finishing fourth uh, is is an achievement uh, in in what is a pretty competitive league between the, the top six. Yeah, I think doing um, it consecutively is, is is probably the big thing for us because I, I don't think we've managed that since two thousand and nine. I think all the season before that under Rafa. So. Um, I guess in terms of the signal we're trying to send out, um, it's probably a very important thing, even financially. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact you know, Spurs have now done it three seasons in a trot. Well, if Spurs can do it, yeah, with due respect to Spurs, because again, they're a magnificent side going forwards, and, and they in, in Harry Kane, they've they've got their jack in the box, like just like Liverpool have with Salah. Um, I, w- I think if you talk to a football fan, they would normally expect Liverpool to be above Spurs. Um, and certainly in terms of the resources that Liverpool have been spending in terms of wages and transfer fees, they are. Um, so to, to not achieve Champions League representation for next season, I think would would turn what has been a fantastic nine and a half months into a dreadful 10 months. And, and that's the way I'd see it if I, I was a Liverpool fan, because for all the entertainment they've had and the victories against City were superb, those matches, um, it's some of the, the the lesser teams where where you know throwing away a two two goal lead at West Brom, drawing at home you know, against the likes of Stoke and so on, really are not what you expect from a side who ultimately you want to be competing with to win the Premier League. If you know clearly not this season, but potentially next season. No, I think so. I think it's it's always going to be judged on results. I think every every manager knows that, every player knows that. So. Um... Under no illusions there, but um, all right then. I guess it's, it's, I think at this stage of the season, it's, it's almost pointless to sort of talk too too much detail around um, sort of tactical analysis of what we think the game's going to be, etc. The the lineup for you, you think, pretty much picks itself given what you've seen in recent weeks um, and what you saw last night. And 
I guess just just to get that from you, and then also you, what you think the for, for our score prediction. Um, yeah, I, I think certainly the goalkeeper back for midfield five do do pick themselves. Chris Uton knows that those players are reliable, and, and also again, you know, we, we've we've recruited from the likes of you know, Blackburn Rovers in 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 Shane Duffy and so on. These are players who haven't played at such a level at such a stadium as Liverpool uh, in their lives before and and they the players are certainly keen to do that I think the only issue for us will be whether we play Ujoa or Murray up front as the as the main striker um, and whatever happens one of those will you know whoever does start will be substituted at 65 minutes as Hewton always tends to do and, and the, the other guy pops on in his place so the lineup is is fairly straightforward uh, in, in terms of the match prediction, um, I, I think we are actually going to be overrun a bit. I, I can see us conceding sort of early-ish in the first half and sort of chasing the ball for, for an hour or so. And then the last 10 or 15 minutes, uh, I think we could be fatigued, especially having been fatigued last night at City. They just ran us ragged. Um, and, and I could see it uh, end, ending sort of 3-4-5-0 uh, with, with a bit of a... Bit of a panache finish from from Liverpool. Well, I see probably exactly what everybody who's listening probably wanted to hear. But uh, I think uh, there's, there's something terrible about being a Liverpool fan that you can have a season like this and still have all these anxieties about about throwing it away and things like that. But um, yeah, I, I, I did think actually watching that game last night whether that would be a bit of a, a factor in terms of the physical fatigue because any contest against City is both mentally and, and physically draining anyway. I think so. Yeah, I think. That, that probably does inform what sort of performance we're going to be seeing from Brighton on that final day of the season. But anyway, Kieran, thanks so much for helping us sort of preview that segment. I know it's briefer than usual this this time around, but really appreciate you coming on and giving us um, all that insight on, on Brighton and, and obviously look forward to, to, to seeing you next year as well and, and speaking to you then and seeing what the summer holds um, for you transfer-wise as well and um, be sure to have you back on. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute delight. Great to hear from you again. Perfect. So... talking all things Liverpool for one final time in the Premier League this season. Uh, bring you in, Alan. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's sort of a mixed, mixed bag. Really. You, you, you look at the way in which we performed throughout the majority of this season, the consistency that we've shown, and um, that consistency has sort of diminished a little bit in the league um, over the past three, you know, three or four games, really, just because the focus has shifted, understandably so, to the Champions League, and that's that's only fair considering that these players have managed to drag themselves to a to a final. But we're currently without a win in three in the league. You know, two draws in this uh, that loss uh, against Chelsea, narrow one, and it really was an exhausted looking Liverpool side, both mentally and physically, um, lacking incision. Um, but thanks to sort of Klopp's best mate Wagner um, over at Huddersfield, you know we've we've now only require one more point um, from our final game to have to beat Brighton. So, I mean, we're not the best at orchestrating a, a ball draw, really. So I'm, I'm guessing we're still going to approach it in the, sim, in the same sort of attacking uh, mindset. But um, you know, hopefully we can get that out of the way and then focus on the biggest game of a, of a decade for the club. But um, just to look back at that Chelsea game then briefly, I guess, what did you think of that performance? And, and did you uh, get what you expected, really, in terms of that lack of sharpness that, that we displayed? Yeah, I think um, I was... I wouldn't say concerned necessarily about the, the the match as such. I was I was concerned about how the guys would perform. I didn't expect a huge amount of rotation, and but I did expect those coming in to to be like they've been um, in the last I suppose month or so, where they, it just looks disjointed. And um, those who have been playing like Firmino, Salah, they they they've they're they're looking lethargic. You know, it, it looks like it's it's been a, a long old season for them and even just the uh, you know simple the simple change in bringing in uh, a new player like bringing in Ings or Solanke they're not in the same way same wavelength they're not playing regularly okay they're training but they're not playing regularly together so it's it can be quite difficult for them to integrate into the team I think as as easily so then when you have players who are maybe mentally fatigued as much as as physically fatigued you know the 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 brain kind of slows down a bit, therefore their reactions aren't quite the same. And um, it's fu- it's funny. I was actually listening to um, Gags and Dave Hendrick on the old school pod, and Dave mentioned that he 
he felt that Salah is holding himself. And I felt that as well over the last, I suppose, month or so since he, he picked up that injury, that he just hadn't seemed himself, hasn't seemed his explosive self. He, he seems to be holding himself back slightly. So maybe there is a, a slight injury there. So what, I, what I've noticed over the last, I suppose, three league games, and especially against Chelsea, was just the pass was slightly in front or slightly behind our players a lot of the time, which I think maybe is a sign that the, the players are, are struggling a bit in terms of the, the, the level of intensity that they've had to deal with. Because if we look at it, West Brom fighting for their life, Stoke fighting for their life, and okay, both of them went down and we should be beating them. But we have those in the middle of Man City quarterfinal Champions League, Roma semi-final Champions League, and all that comes with that. And then you have Chelsea, who literally are looking at you and going, we, we are hanging on to your coattails because we can still catch you. And they're up for it. And I, I, I wasn't particularly impressed by Chelsea either for a team who are literally fighting for their Champions League lives. They won the match, but they weren't particularly impressive. I just think it was a, it was a dull, lethargic game from, from both sides. They no, just happened to get the goal. No, completely. I, I, I was in the post-match raw pod afterwards and I, and I really wasn't that, um, yeah, I, I wasn't that impressed by Chelsea. I thought that they, if you want to give them any praise, I thought they they changed the game to a game that was going to be based on small margins and errors. And um, yeah, I think that they're they're, they're adept at um, setting themselves up into a structure where they can you know, limit those to a minimum, really. And uh, especially when the the forwards were lacking sharpness, the midfield just completely unable to, to supply the forwards with the sort of delivery that they needed. And I know you said that, that Salah and Bobby looked a, li- a little less sharp, but. They both looked just starved at the ball, to be honest. Bobby was dropping, dropping deep and trying to get involved, and that's obviously admirable, but you know, it doesn't really help us in, in the scheme of a game, really. Uh, it, it was only Sadio who looked like he was uh, in in full sharpness, really, and uh, mm. it's been great to see how he's come to form uh, at this important stage of the season. I mean, were you surprised that there wasn't a little bit more rotation? I mean, obviously you can argue against or you know, for and against it, but... Um, I just thought seeing Andy Robertson out there again, and I'm not sort of criticizing his performance at all, but it's just you know, in the sm- in the in the few areas of this squad where we actually can rotate, I was I was surprised to see that we didn't um, you, know, you know opt to throw Moreno in there, especially when we did dominate the ball as as much as we ended up doing. Yeah, I think it's a very difficult balance for Klopp in terms of making those those changes. So I suppose we're looking at it. I suppose in, in in hindsight bias in, in some ways where the result hasn't gone as well as everyone would have hoped and you can you can look at players. I think he has to be careful because it was a match that essentially was really important for us. But I, I, I take your point. The likes of Moreno should be able to come in and and step up as close to the, the level of, of Andy Robertson as, as possible. But he didn't do that in his last game. And I think Klopp was probably slightly wary of making too many changes to the defensive structure of the team, given um, how we've kind of been not quite at the races and, and given away opportunities as well. So I, I expected something similar to the team that was there in hindsight, should, should he have made more changes possibly. But he's in a bind because it's the match that essentially if we got a result in, we, it secured us uh, getting in the Champions League next year. Plus, he had players on the back of that roasting, I suppose. The, the biggest surprise, I thought, was Trent um, coming into midfield. I thought, I, I understand the reasons for it, but I just think that lad just needed to be brought out and just given the, the space to have a, have a week off or sit on the bench and maybe come on later on because, you know, he's he's never experienced anything like the intensity and, you know, you know, myself and and uh, Andrew Vincent just uh, recorded a, a, our Mindfield podcast there um, yesterday, and uh, we were talking about how well Trent has done in terms of when he's had setbacks in the past, he's been able to come back, build on them, and and kind of mentally bring himself forward. But I just think he well he he played fairly well, I thought, against Chelsea. But I just thought it's another game in his legs. That maybe he didn't need to have, um, but then it does highlight, I suppose, the the frailties within our squad in terms of numbers that are at a level. Like we all talk about the squad having no depth, I think it's just quality depth that we're missing. We're not necessarily 
number depth, we're missing quality depth where there's a huge, huge drop off between the first 12 or 13 players and the next six or seven players. And it's very difficult for those six or seven players to come in and make a significant impact mm. in a team that are so much better than where they're actually at. And they're getting no fluency and no flow and no consistency in their play. No, absolutely. I'm thinking as well that the biggest job off for me, I mean, despite the fact that the current midfield, um, in terms of the ones who are fit, um, they, they do lack dynamism and, and sort of any real incision in their play. And, and, and we'll come on to talk about that. But um, it's really up front, really, to, to me, because I think if, you, if you're looking at the roles that those forwards play, Bobby especially, and, um, you think about this stage last season where you, know, you need to rotate, you need to bring people in and um, not necessarily players who are going to be integral parts of the, your of your team throughout the entire year, but um, you know, players of the requisite quality. Like you mentioned there, you know, with stuff, the likes of Sturridge, you know, when he was fit and, and, and able to contribute to uh, to the team, you know, just appearing in games like this where if a ball's whipped across the you know, the box and, and you need a striker to pounce, he's probably going to be there at the far post or something like that. You know, mm. having those instincts in the squad where. Uh, we, we haven't really had those available, and it's been a bit annoying. I mean, it, especially if you even look at the Chelsea result, right? And then you think about Giroud has scored that goal for them. Uh, you know, Giroud was brought in in January, especially for the reason of you know, giving them an extra little boost, extra bit of depth there, because Morata, um, you know, finding it perhaps tough in his first seasons at a club where he's actually expected to play every single game. So, yeah, um, yeah I mean, they'd invested to give themselves that cover. And I, I just think that. Um, yeah, this season, I think I think generally Liverpool have a history of just perhaps not doing enough in terms of the the depth of the squad to give themselves the best chance possible, and hopefully we'll learn from that uh, this summer. But um, moving on to it, and you mentioned the midfield, I think that was one of the big issues was just unable to supply the forwards with the right sort of um, you know, passes and the right sort of incision throughout the game, really, especially when Chelsea did drop back into their sort of structure uh, without Chamberlain. Uh, without Chan, obviously Coutinho is now gone. I was worried as well when we saw Coutinho that we'd gotten rid of any playmaker that we we possessed. Um, and then obviously Chamberlain came in and uh, through his sort of directness in, in his play, um, found us another route to, to, to being creative and, and incisive. But uh, without that now, uh, there is a little concern about the midfield and just how if a team does try and be a bit more conservative and, and um, stifle us a little bit um, and the forwards aren't exactly on it, how are we actually going to get around that? Obviously, we've only got two more games to to worry about this season. One being you know, Brighton, but they are known for being you know, at least defensively pretty solid. Um, so it could be a case, especially at Anfield, that we're going to be dominating the ball again. Um, and just how do we build that pressure? I mean, how do you think that we can get around that with the current personnel? Is it a case of um, needing Ginny, I guess, to change his role or, or his mentality a little bit and just sort of remind himself that he does possess a lot of the physical um, abilities to, to fulfil a similar role um, uh, as Ox was doing. Mm. I think, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there with, with Ginny. I think he's the most logical one who can who can actually step up and, and fill the void left by Chamberlain and Chan because he has the skill set he's proven in the past. I suppose if we look at what he's... Where he's been most effective, I think, for us since he's joined has been in that more, you know, uh, freeing space where he can arrive late in the box and, um, you know, kind of dictate the play just behind the attacking trio where he hasn't necessarily played there that much because Oxide Chamberlain was there, because Coutinho was there. So he hasn't had the opportunity. And I don't know, I, sp- I suppose maybe it's a, a case of Klopp just letting the shackles off him and saying, right, you go and do that role. Because I think he's definitely far more um, adept at doing it than Milner and Henderson, who are most likely going to be his his midfield partners. So give him the opportunity to just go and do it. And, you know, nearly take him aside and say, look, Jeannie, we're giving you this freedom. Go and show us what you can do. Go and actually play and, 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 and take the game by the scruff of the neck and drive this team on because you can do it. Like he, he's 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 able to to swivel. He's able to pick up a, a pass and turn a player quite well and hold on to the ball. He's very strong as well on the ball. So I think it it, it would make sense to give him that opportunity because we are going to need to attack. We are going to need to to push the play 
And what I don't think Brighton are as good at the defensive setup as, say, some of the other teams that we, we could have played or that we have played in the recent past. I do think they are going to set up to contain us. I just, and I suppose we'll probably come on to it later on, I just think that if we have that fluency in midfield and, and allow Genie to kind of try and dictate the play, I think we, we could be very successful come Sunday. Yeah, for sure. I think it's going to, it's going to require a little bit of a change in mentality, but I think he, he, he does possess the skills to do it. Um, and yeah, we, we really are limited in terms of the, the other options we have. I mean, obviously, uh, Trent was brought in against Chelsea to sort of give those sort of creative skills. And, and I think he, he is a far better footballer than perhaps any of those three midfielders in terms of actual on-the-ball ability and, and, and creativity. He, he may well turn out to be, um, whereas they're more sort of workhorses in terms of what they do. But, um, yeah, I think we are limited in terms of the options we have there. But just as a sort of an overall view then, because we are at the end of the season now, you know, one more game, um, if we can secure Champions League qualification and then, of course, do the un- what was previously unthinkable, I guess, at the start of the year and win the Champions League, that would be one of the best seasons for yeah. in, in, in living memory. It would be, be absolutely huge, uh, not only for the players, I think, but for the manager and um, the club as a whole in terms of re-establishing ourselves. I think we've already done that, to be honest. I think um, lots of the statements that we would have made anyway have been made by the fact that we've gotten to this, this stage. But in terms of the domestic season... Um, where does this side, in your opinion, uh, need strengthening then? Does it, is it just, just numbers? Or is it, as you mentioned earlier, the quality of, of the depth? Or are there sort of specific positions you're looking at right now already as the window um, actually opens earlier this season um, that you think we need to be bringing in? Obviously, some names are floating around already. Yeah, and I'm trying not to pay too much attention to the names. I, I, I try to kind of keep myself on the periphery of, of the uh, transfer talk because it's just, it can be too depressing <laughs> and, and too overwhelming with every single name that's getting mentioned. I do think you've, you've actually got it spot on there in terms of we've made a massive statement. You know, a lot of fans would have said at the start of the season, if we secure top four and put a decent one in the Champions League, get to the quarterfinals, that's a really good step forward for Klopp. And he's actually surpassed that now. So look, we're heading into a final and if we win, as you say, it's going to be the best season in, you know, 10, 12 years. But if we don't win, what I'd hate to see is an overreaction from the fans to say, you know, oh, here we go again. We failed again. When in actual fact, it's a massive, massive step forward for the club. Yeah, when I you think look- sort of the biggest danger around that, in my opinion, sorry to interrupt you there, was yeah. it's just literally not that the club has failed. I think this is a huge achievement for the club. I just think that that annoying narrative around Klopp in finals, I think that's yeah. what's likely to be played up, isn't it? If, if, it, if it does go south. Of course it will. And, you know, that's because the media and and fans like to jump on that kind of stuff. And that's, that's just the world we live in. You know, there'll be the Twitter fume for whatever amount of time. And uh, the, the media are going to look for any kind of narrative to, I suppose, put somebody in a position where they could fail. And what you'd hope is that it's not, and I don't particularly think it's going to be an issue for the players and for Klopp. It doesn't matter whether he's lost 100 finals in the past. You know, that we're, we're playing against a team of our quality and we can, but we are very, we have great, great quality ourselves and we can, we can do something. I do think that, and I think it is what Klopp is doing, you know, last year as well, is we're now not looking to pad the squad. And okay, there's a detrimental side to that in terms of looking at the squad depth now. But what I mean is that instead of just buying players to fill out the squad, which say, um, maybe a Giroud might have been or, or someone like, or, uh, you know, Obama Yang, everyone was clambering for it. And he's done well at Arsenal, but I don't know if he would have fit into our system and would have been happy being Bobby's understudy because there's nobody else. I don't believe there's any other striker in the world like Bobby Firmino. So it's very, very difficult to replicate that. I do think though, we need to improve the first 11 so that our current first 11 are then either being challenged to maintain their position or are the, the bench. So we're talking about the Dejan Logan. We're talking about the, you know, the uh, Jordan Henderson, the Milner, the Genie. And it's not, it's not putting those players down. They, they absolutely can contribute, but they should be set the challenge by having players at a similar level or a higher level than them coming in so that they can show that they can step up. So Klopp, in, in my experience, seems to be the type of manager who will allow a player the space to say, 
right, everyone says you're not good enough. I'm going to allow you the opportunity to step up to show if you can be good enough. And then we can see if these players can step up. And like with Simon Mignolet, he's now, he's now proven that he can't actually step up his level. So Klopp has now pretty much said, right, you're, you're gone. You've had the opportunity. And I'd like to see that happen with the other players, like your Dejans, like Jordan, whoever, whoever else it might be. I do think we need to strength at the back because there was a massive drop off from Van Dyke to our other de- defenders. And that's been an issue for us for years. And, I don't buy into the narrative. I don't think we're a poor defensive team anymore. I think we've actually become quite a solid defensive team. Yes, we can definitely improve and there are mistakes in our team, but there's mistakes in every single team. That's just the way it is in football. What I would say is definitely our midfield needs padding out in terms of bringing in higher quality that's there. I do believe Chan is off and fair play to him. Thank you for the amount of time and effort that he put in. I don't buy into the narrative that he should be you know, basically shot from a cannon. Um, I do believe that he is committed to the club and has done absolutely fantastically well. I think he's a really good player. We're going to, we're going to realize in the next year or two what we're missing, I believe, when he goes. But it's about looking at Naby Keita coming in, looking at whoever else the better players are coming in so that if they're better than what you have at the moment, it allows them a bit of flexibility to come in and not have to hit the ground running because you still have your Jordan Henderson there, your James Milner, your Gini Wijnaldum there, who who are sufficient in the areas that you need. So, And I, I definitely think we need backup, though, because I do believe... I, I don't think we should just, you know, get rid of Solanke. I think he needs to go on loan at a, to a Premier League team to get some actual game time to see is he at the level. He's not going to get that with us, so I'll put him out on loan and try and get um, a higher quality of player who can come in, who maybe isn't quite at Bobby's level, but isn't far off it, but is willing to work towards it. And that's that's a difficult thing to do. It's a difficult thing for Klopp to manage, but I hope he will manage it because we'll bring in four or five top quality players in the summer. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, think of Origi's got to come back as well. And I, I, I think you are right. Does the club wanting to give the, the players who are currently at the club every sort of put, opportunity to prove whether they are of the requisite level? And I think, I mean, just personally, I'm, I'm wondering just how many there are left for certain members, to be honest. But um, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think we will see improvement. And I think that the areas are already becoming clear as the names start to circulate. And um, mm. yeah, with the level of su- success we've had between Edwards and Klopp so far, in terms of the, the signings they've brought in, You've got to feel confident about that, especially with the position the club's in as well. The names that we are hearing, uh, you know, attracting potentially top top talent. So yeah. it's all really exciting. But um, in terms of the season then and how we performed domestically this season, what surprised you and um, what's been sort of the most significant area of improvement in your in your view? Um, well, I, I think the biggest surprise has to be the success of Mohamed Salah. <laughs> I don't think anyone expected him to be. Uh, anywhere near. Like I, I remember when we signed him, and I was looking at his numbers for Roma and, and Fiorentina, and going, like, they're actually phenomenal numbers. I'd be very surprised if he comes and replicates that in his first season. <laughs> he's completely blown them out of the water. Um, so he's definitely been the biggest surprise. I, I think the most significant area of improvement has been in the in the second half of the season is the improvement in our defensive uh, ability, but. In general, our ability to beat the teams that we have struggled to beat in the past, with the the last three results um, accepted, I think we've done much better to be able to unlock those stubborn defences. I suppose the other flip side disappointment is our results against the the other top six teams, and um, maybe hasn't been as good as we had hoped. But like, I'm not one of these people that expects perfection all the time. I, I think there needs to be a balance, and you know. It was all well and good as beating City, Arsenal, Chelsea, United, Spurs last season, but we were finishing lower in the table because of our results against more teams, and there's more teams below us that we can pick up points with. So if you look at United, they generally aren't doing that well against the top six teams, but they're in second place because they're picking up results against all the other teams. So you can do it. It's it's a process, and we're part of a, a process with, with Klopp where he's building to it a point and you know it may be to his detriment that we've gotten to a Champions League final so quickly in his tenure as not you know as long as we if we can win it fantastic but where the expectation levels are going to rise you know beyond what is realistic but I think 
what what's good to see and hear is that the fans seem to have been getting more and more on board with the club and the way the club is working and Edwards and Klopp working together and, and trusting them that, you know, the signings that they're making are going to come good. So I think that's a good, <clears throat> excuse me, step in the right direction. And I think that going forward, we need to just take this as a building block. You know, as I said at the very start there, if we had a gosh top four and a good run in the Champions League, I think we all would have been happy because it needed to, we needed solidity. We needed to solidify our position in the top four and stay there. We haven't done it yet, but that's what we need to do. Yeah, I think it's actually it's interesting to hear you say that in terms of, I think, one of the biggest improvements. We could talk about the ones that have been on the pitch, but it, it really does feel as though, in terms of unity between sort of fans, club, the overall direction, it, it does feel like this season, more more so than last season even, um, that everybody is pushing in the, in the correct direction, um, in, in, in the same direction, and, and you're seeing the benefits of that. And uh, obviously you can have exceptions like, Mohamed Salah doing what he's done this season. Yeah, it's just been absolutely remarkable. And you, you look alongside him, and you, we're not far off having three strikers who hit 20 goals in a season, which yeah. is yeah, absolutely ridiculous. And you, th- you think about the way in which people have been calling for, um, at times, a, a traditional number nine who can get 20 goals a season. Uh, we've, got, we've got three of them nearly left. So it's, yeah, uh, we it's, wanted just one for a long time. I know, <laughs> we've got three. We've got three with, with tons of personality in them as well. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think I think overall it has been an incredibly positive season, and as you mentioned, there were those games against the sides below us. Generally speaking, we've been better at handling those games, even when it's come down to us just sort of being more conservative in those games and waiting till they make errors, because generally the sides below you will make errors in games. So I think we have we have approached those far better. So with 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 better depth as well, I think we'll be even more well equipped to deal with that. So just on to bring it towards the end to the, the uh, sort of Brighton preview. Um, with a week's rest now, um, you know, are you confident that we'll be able to sort of reset, sh- shake the cobwebs off a little bit, secure that Champions League win at home to Brighton, uh, Champions League qualification rather, um, and then you know, we can look ahead to the big game? You're not worried about any sort of hangover, reminiscent of what we saw against Chelsea? you think that this should be enough for us? I think so, yeah. I, I think, um, like I said earlier, I don't think Brighton are the the traditional, you know, two banks of four right in front of the... The, the, the box type team. Chris Hutton has never been that type of manager. He tries to play football and I think that's going to play into our hands. I think the only other team that I would have been happier to be playing on with this game, in this game would be Bournemouth because, you know, there's a tend to suit us. We have to remember we went to Brighton. They tried to mix up a, a defensive game with, a, with a, an attacking game and we absolutely tore them to shreds. I think, I think what Klopp might, do is kind of use it as a challenge for players to step up and show that they're worthy of a, a Champions League final place. And, you know, like, like we're saying, if we're, he just gives them the freedom to go out and just play to their ability. And actually, I, I, to be honest with you, I think we're going to win by three or four goals. I think, um, I think if Mo Salah gets on the score sheet early, I think he's getting a hat trick. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, Kane's three behind him currently. He scored. Is he? And who have they got in their final match? Is it Newcastle? I no, Chelsea of Newcastle. I'll, I'll, I'll need uh, to check, but yeah, they, yeah. They, they they just played Newcastle, so that's yeah. right. Uh, but I'll, I'll I'll check up for you. But yeah, of course, I'm, I'm sure that'll be on Mo's mind as well. Yeah, and you know, like I think ultimately what we need to do is just not worry about it. You know, we we've shown throughout the season that we're more than capable. Of being these teams, we've got a week's rest between us, between the Chelsea and Brighton match. We have two weeks nearly to the Champions League final. I, I don't believe, I don't believe players, the players are going to try and save themselves for the final. It's too important of a match for them to to gamble not getting Champions League. And last time the game of the season as well, you you want to put on a show generally, don't you, Absolutely. to the players in front of those fans? Yeah, and, and show the fans, look, we're ready to go and we're ready to go and battle with, with Real Madrid. And we're going to, you know, basically say thank you for, for the, the support we've had all season. Because like you said, the, the fans have been so much more in, in, in line with the, with the club this season. And maybe that's to do with the Champions League run, but it doesn't matter. It's working. And I think, you know, the, the players owe it to the fans. The fans owe it to the players as well to go in and make as much noise as possible and actually show them that we're not just sitting here to take this game off the, the, the list to get us to the Champions League final. It's about let's go and create an atmosphere. Let's go and recreate the, the Champions League atmosphere against Brighton because it is that important yeah. of a match. 
you, you almost want to see the bus welcomes, don't you? And all, and yeah. All, and all that stuff. I mean, just in terms of the actual on-the-pitch issue, I mean, I, I was never planning on speaking about this too much ahead of this game because I think analysis and stuff like that should should rightly sort of go out the window a little bit you know, when you get to this stage of the season. But um, are you expecting any real rotation or are you expecting us that this is going to be the Champions League team? We're going to give them an early test, try and get that rhythm back into their play after a few weeks of heavy exertion. Um, mm. It should be the first team, you reckon? I think it will be, yeah. I think he, he has to go and and secure. The, you know, the only real changes I could see would be, barring injury, obviously, but would be maybe at the full-backs, giving them a break. But even at that, I think he, he knows who he trusts. He trusts the first 11 that have been there the whole way through the Champions League. Um, so I, I would suspect that he'll he'll go with them. And I think that's the reason we're going to win. I think he will pick the strongest team available to him, and I think it will be it'll bear fruit. Okay, then, so before we wrap up then for, for the final time this season, uh, what would be your prediction for the game? Uh, I, I think I think we're going to win 3-4-0. Wow. Um, yeah, I think I think it's going to be a good result. I think we'll we'll get an early goal, and it'll just be party time. Let's, let's hope that's the way for sure. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. I think we, we, I feel like we might concede, but I'm, I, I'm not going to let that doubt sort of creep in. So I'm going to go with a, a three 0 win as well. But it, it might be a little bit more nervy, just like that Middlesbrough game was. Um, yeah. To, to start off with, and then there'll be a sort of a release of the pressure valve, and, and hopefully everything will will follow through after that. But um, anyway, and thanks so much for helping me sort of re- preview Liverpool for this sort of final time in the league this season, and. Um, to all those who've listened throughout the season, I just want to thank you. Um, it's, uh, thank the Reds as well for making it. Uh, you know, this game actually means something as well. So you, you've, you've kept on listening to the end of the season, but I hope you've enjoyed uh, the preview pods this season. It's been a, been a hell of a ride. Uh, and of course, that's, that's not over yet, even after this game. Hopefully, we'll, we'll do the business and uh, secure Champions League for next season. Um, if not, we've got, all, all, got that little game, haven't we? Uh, over in uh, over in Kiev, where we can uh, get number six and uh, kill two birds with one stone. So, hopefully, we won't need that. But um, anyway, yeah, thanks for listening throughout the entire season, and uh, we'll be back. Um, I'm sure during the summer to to preview the uh, preseason games and then uh, the the season ahead once the fixtures are are released. So, uh, thanks so much, everyone, and uh, you'll hear from us shortly. Podcast Network.